hi, and welcome to the 21st, 22nd, or 23rd episode of, what are we at now? The Rider Rumblings video podcast needs a better title, that one's on me. Um, I'm Rob Vanstone, I'm here with Murray McCormick, and our special guest this week, uh, we're very pleased to have him with us, uh, Warren Woods from, from CJME, from Global, from STV, from Sudbury, from um, uh, various curling bond spiels. Um, Various from curling Sports lounges, line. probably more than bond spills. <laughs> from Sportsline, have I missed anything, Woodsy? Oh, from CKSO in Sudbury to uh, Thunder Bay Television, CFCL in Timmins, Ontario. I've been around a little bit. I just want to know one thing: is how come I'm the last member of the CJME Green Zone to be on this show? Because we saved the best for last. That's a good answer. Isn't that a bunch? I basically of... <laughs> exhausted the list of candidates. Is that one thing? <laughs> I think we got to acknowledge the fact we got two Sudburyans here. I grew up listening to Warren Woods on the mm-hmm. radio in you, Sudbury back yeah. in the day in CKOS. Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, my days as a music DJ, my prior life. Really? This is my second go around in radio What kind and of, news talk. What kind of music were you DJing? Top 40 mostly. Yeah, yeah I was... Uh, late night It may too. be old, it may have mold, but it's solid gold. <laughs> it was late night too, wasn't it? Yeah, I did all nights. I all did nights. all nights at CKSO from, uh, oh geez, for about two years, and then I... Moved down to evenings, and then I uh, moved on. I actually, uh, I actually ended up in a place doing mornings, a place called Kappa's Casing. Kappa's <laughs> Casing. You know how cold it is there? It okay. is so cold in that place that GM held a, uh, um, opened a cold weather testing center there for their vehicles. That's how cold that Ooh. place was. Yeah. And then from there, though, uh, it was a. It, I hated the place. It was only there for about four months, but. It got me kick-started into television because the next job I went to was just down the road in Timmins. They were looking for a TV uh, sports guy, and so I applied, went down, and did an audition and got the job, and the rest, as they say, is history. And his hair is the same color. <clears throat> it's, 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 it's pretty close. Yeah, so it's pretty close. Your scalp pretty, is the same color, my too. Scalp, I was hairy back then, too. <laughs> no, I had hair back in high school when I was listening to war. Murray uh, grew up in the uh, in the southern part of the city. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know you then, but, uh, but you know, you lived in Llewellyn Park, and I know the area where Murray uh, came from pretty well. I had a lot of friends down there. And really? Knew my, my, how my did you in that neighborhood? Well, it was amazing how it could, uh, how it could happen. Sudbury High, and he went to Llewellyn Park, and <laughs> they were really a non-factor in anything. Murray we did we were part. the worst football team in the city. I can take credit for that. 22 guys, and we got lost every game. Just yeah. about. Had nice uniforms, though. Nice <laughs> purple and white. The, the, yeah, 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 it looked good. I was a knight. And I grew up in, in beautiful uh, suburban Regina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what was the Sudbury Saturday night like? Is, is, was it as, uh, as described by Stomp? Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Stomp. Stink, I'm sure that the girls are out to bingo and the boys are getting stinko and they think no more of inko on a Sudbury Saturday night. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, a guy like Stomp and Tom would play a lot of bars that were near the Sudbury Arena, you know, just off downtown a little bit, kind of a scuzzy area of town. <laughs> um, so... In many ways, what he was talking about, you know, everybody sitting around and having a beer and listening to music, and he'd play all these uh, all, all these bars, and it could get pretty rough uh, at oh. times, uh, certainly on a Saturday night, and uh, he, he he captured it perfectly in that song. I'm, Speaking of Stinko, um, <laughs> is this I a think segue we, to the year? I think we need a drink if we're going to go back to that Stinko. <laughs> well, at least... <laughs> on a Winnipeg Sunday well, afternoon. Well, what, do you, what, do you, what have I done to the microphone? Yeah, we, we had to... Screw the microphone. We had to oh, actually hello? sit there and watch it, unfortunately, and Sorry, Murray huh? had to sit through it. What, what, do, I, what do you think... Dan's got to just turn it off. 
What do you think of the game in in Winnipeg on uh, Saturday? It's funny, like, and it's not saying I had a premonition that this was just going to happen. I and then most of the time, like it. Most of the time, I'm wrong. But and I was watching the game this morning before I came here. The first pass that Zach tried to throw was almost intercepted by two players. Two players. (laughs) Marcus Thigpen played. Like the worst he's played ever. He played tentatively, and then they then I'm go back and sort of bounce There's around. Cole, people who walk on Cole were, are running more decisively oh, than. And he then was. Zach throws that pick, and it's not as much his fault as Adam Bighill. I'm more I watched that play. Adam Bighill made a big play. I think Kieran Moore has got a nice ball secure, but what a big play by Adam Bighill to get that touchdown. And then it was over because you know some two touchdowns. This offense is not going to score two touchdowns. You know what? If you give up one. Yeah, if that good. offense gives up one. The chances of it making it back or getting it back are pretty, pretty limited. Do you, so just a little bit. Of, I'm going to involve Woody in this. Name the last Rough Rider to score a touchdown for the Riders this season. Oh my goodness! As opposed to the last Stampeder to score a touchdown for the Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this season, Marcus Thigpen, maybe. No, it was Nick Marshall that one yard run? Name oh, the yeah. name. I'll give make it easier if you name the last receiver to score a touchdown for the Riders. I was going to say somebody, somebody like Kyron Moore, maybe. Yeah, you're right about that. Like, you know, <laughs> it, here here's the thing. I was one of those that picked the Bombers to win too, and I thought, well, they're going to win just because you know the Bombers were playing pretty good. It's tough to beat that team like that three times in a row. It was they were on the road. It was a short week. I didn't expect them to win, but I expected them to show up. They didn't I even expected get, them to play. They didn't. They came out with nothing. They didn't even attempt a rouge. Yeah, like they didn't get inside the forty yard line. There was no hope of any. They got inside the four fifty yard line twice. Yeah, and turned it over both times. We had and callers. one was Brandon Bridge got to the forty seven later too. Didn't yeah. You? Oh yeah. I, and then I, at that I, point, then why would you even bother trying to field goal? Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if you had the chance to score one at that point, why would you even bother? You might as well just try and score a touchdown. I didn't cover the Riders back then, but Roy Shivers won so eloquently said, a CFL team gets its butt handed to them at least once a season. Mm-hmm. And it happens. And it happens. And that's where you get your butt handed to them. But the fact that they ended it after the first half, like they, were, they were on the plane home. I don't think they even, the fact that that's a part that's surprising. There wasn't even a fight left in them after the second half. Oh, and you know what? What's and we had callers on our um, Green Zone post game show. Oh, did, that were, did you ever? Well, yeah. Well, people that were there oh, and yeah. were noticing that they didn't come out out of that tunnel, fired up, jumping up and down. They just kind of came out real lethargic. Lolly noticed gag. on them si- on the sidelines, all bundled up with their jackets. Here are the bombers coming out flying. They're not wearing their jackets out there, despite how cold it was. They just looked like. You know, this game meant more to them, and the Riders looked like that was the last place they wanted I, to be. I approached my colonoscopy with more excitement than the Riders <laughs> <laughs> approached that game. I will only point out that if you ever saw the movie Remember the Titans, they came up with this idea. They marched onto the field very slowly and deliberately and then came out. And I kind of watched the, the, Those were the kickoff returns, actually. Yeah, that's it. So I'm, Sorry. the fact the Riders weren't jumping around and high-fiving each other, I don't put as much stock in as other people do because it's maybe something different. But they're right. You looked over at that field, and it was some. It was freezing there. Can I actually say that? That even from my comfort of the so-called press box area, it was darn cold. I got up in the morning. The rain was coming sideways. There were snow flurries. It wasn't a great day for football. But but you would think only one team was freezing in that. Pretty well, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one team was cold as heck. <laughs> well, was so much colder than Capus Casing. Yeah, Capus Casing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You would think, though, that with so much at stake, I mean, there was a, a possible, a potential home playoff game up for grabs here. As it turned out, if they had won that game, they'd have it. Uh, you just, you, you think they would come out with more emotion than that. 
But they yeah. just you know had what, nothing. You know what was weird? They held Winnipeg to only one first down in the first <laughs> quarter. Unfortunately, that was a 72-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. Winnipeg had 71 passing yards in the first quarter, and they had a 72-yard play. The other one went for a loss of one. If the if the offense does anything, at least it's interesting until the second quarter. But when you give them points, when you're pretty much incapable of creating points for yourself, when you compound the problems by donating points to the opposition, there, they, there's some games where they'd be better off taking a knee twice and punting. And I, think, I don't even think I need, I don't even, not even sure that's a facetious comment given the state of this offense. Just don't, don't lose serve. Just give them the ball and hope the defense is going to make a play. The last three games against West Division opponents, the Riders' offense has scored zero touchdowns. They've got 181 minutes against Western, 181 consecutive minutes against Western Division opponents without a touchdown. They've scored three touchdowns defensively and scored none offensively mm-hmm. over their last three games against the West. So what concerns me now is likely going against the West for the remainder of the season is whatever offensive totals they have, have been fattened against the East. Yes, they, they have. They are awful against the West. Yep. They've against got eight... good, yeah against good defenses. They're they're terrible, and and you look at and everybody was talking about oh boy the offense is coming around. When they played Toronto and Montreal. Offense is coming around. You played Toronto and Montreal, and they beat the Canton Bulldogs too. The Canton Bulldogs <laughs> alumni on what? a last second field goal. What? Well, that's how pathetic this <laughs> offense is. They need to play somebody. That's that. That's non-existent. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's but the same token, defense didn't exactly stand up either. Mind you, there was but the game. We found out what happens when the offense, the defense, and special teams doesn't carry them. Well, does capable carry them? They aren't carried. They aren't worth. That's uh, that's that's the thing. I mean, you you can't expect the defense to keep making you know doing it for you to score points. Football is not working that way. The offense scores points. The defense is supposed to stop the opposing offense. Special teams. The uh, the intangible, but it's it's working in reverse. You're expecting your defense to score the points. Well, they can't. You know, you can't do it week after week after week. And as we as we saw, the if the defense can't bail out this offense, they're not going to win. I'll but give can, you more mind numbing statistics against oh, the good. West this season. The Riders have eight offensive touchdowns against the West this year. They have seven non-offensive touchdowns against the West. So it's almost an even bet as to what facet of the team is going to score for the Riders when they play a West opponent. Is it the offense or is it the defense slash special teams? It's almost a soft. Can I remind you guys of something, though? They're 10 and 6. I know. Can't you just kill all every stat and every thought we have is absolutely 100% negative and this team shouldn't be in the playoffs, shouldn't be even the pitcher because I think they were better. Maybe they had more offense in 15. I meant to look that up, but things looked a little better when, when Chris Jones got here and that kind of things, but... They're ten and six. How are they doing? Are the mirrors is smoke? They're do- no. They're, they've been doing it with been, the defense and the special teams. They've been propping up teams. an offense and, and, and all year. Now can they? And with the offense being as bad as it has been against the West lately, they in in eight. They played eight games against the West this year and have failed to score an offensive touchdown in half of them. And now they have to try and make some moves in the West. Yes. I think that's an ominous stat. It is an ominous stat, yes. And that's you don't trust in Zach to kind of call, all of a sudden come out here and start generating a whole bunch of scoring plays against the Calgary know, Stampeders. I'm not sure it's as much Zach Caleros as the offensive line is starting to show some cracks. The receiving core probably isn't of industrial league caliber. 
and the play calling, they, they're not going to scheme themselves out of any predicaments. You look at the things that Paul Lapolis is doing with the Bombers offense, the things he's trying to do with Weston Dressler, the things he does with Nick Dembski. You don't see any of that with the Rough Riders. They, want, they can't even get a command of the basics. Yeah. There's just not a lot of, they didn't have a lot of talent before Naaman Roosevelt and Jordan Williams-Lambert got hurt. So now they're trying to, they're asking Zach Caleros with an offensive line that's missing Darius Bladek, that missed Bladek, that missed Dan Clark last game. Has Philip Blake acquired on a Wednesday, playing on a Saturday? Arguably the best lineman on the worst offensive lineman in the league. Offensive so, line in the league. So the line isn't very good. The receiving core is second on the depth chart, probably the opening weekend of training camp. And the the scheming isn't the schematics aren't very good. So what can you reasonably expect of Zach Caleros at this stage? You expect uh, probably better ball security, I guess. You know, like it, it, you're right. There's plenty of there's plenty of blame to go around, and it's not just Zach Caleros. But let's face it, he hasn't been. I don't. He. I think the Riders were looking for that 2015 Zach Caleros before he got injured. The uh, the MOP potential quarterback. We haven't we haven't seen that. Is that partly because of uh, what's what he's had around him? Perhaps. You know, he didn't get a lot of protection early on. The offensive line improved as the season went on. Uh, but he still doesn't have the receivers. Remember, they had three 1,000-yard receivers last year. Yeah. They haven't, not even close to that this they year. They even have three receivers totaling 1,000 yards this year. which is The, the, one, that one, the <laughs> one that had potential to reach that if he had played on offense, was Deron Carter, and they traded ding, him away. Ding, or they, ding, they, ding, they, ding, 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 ding. Carter mentioned. Yes. Well, <laughs> you get I, this I brought it up surprised. the other day, I, and I said, "Is it? Did, did they make a mistake? I guess in terms of his attitude, no. He, he, from, what, from all accounts, the, uh, the locker room is a better place without him there. But the offense is, there's no deep threat. There's nobody the Riders have that, that scares anybody. Well, they scare... The Ryder fans. Yeah. If you look at the last two games, Kenny Shaw has the pass go off his helmet. Deron Carter catches that. You look at the last game against Winnipeg. Uh, Brandon Bridge rolls to his right, lets loose with the with a long pass, uh, gets himself out of trouble, lets loose with a long pass. It's right in the hands. Kenny Shaw doesn't make that catch again. It was almost the exact same play that Deron Carter scored on in BC last year. Almost the exact same, rolling to his right, near the sidelines, let's loose with a bomb, right in the hands. Deron Carter caught that exact same pass last year. That was and in the second it, half, eh? It was right at the end of the game. Yeah. That's but <laughs> still, Deron Carter is going to make those catches. Say what you want about everything else that contributes to the, the sideshow. By the way, marijuana is becoming legal this week. Um, what? He's going to make those plays. And they don't have somebody to make those plays. And is that going to bite them in the end? Or are we just overreacting to a terrible game? Both. I think it's pretty well both. I think it's a little bit of overreaction, but it was such a terrible first half that I was looking out in the crowd wondering how many people drove up from Winnipeg or already from Regina for this game are driving home right now, if they were sober enough, fortunately. But the place was nearly empty by the middle of the second half. There, People were leaving because it was a miserable day. But yeah. imagine spending money to go watch that. I, I, think, go I think they'll come out better against Calgary. I, I think they'll show more emotion. I think they'll, they'll, they'll come out with a much better effort. My concern is the injuries that are starting to pile up. If, if, if all things being equal, if they had basically the same, the same squad, I think they could come back and, and conceivably beat a Stampeders team, which quite frankly isn't playing that well either. Yeah. I worry, though, about the uh, – it's not so much the, um, 
what's going on upstairs. I, I just worry about the injuries and whether they're going to be able to handle I, I think a lot of it depends on if Naaman Roosevelt, Jordan Williams, Lambert come back. I think the uh, the loss of Darius Bladich is, is huge. And Michael Brooks. And Michael Brooks. We don't know okay. either about Iguavan. He took a a rap the other day. He wasn't uh, he wasn't too good. He was uh Zach woozy. Evans missed time. Z- Zach Matt Evans Elam missed time. Got hurt. Matt Elam, yeah. I mean if all these guys Did, can't I think if all these guys can't play the next week or the week after then See, I think I'm worried about trouble. the Stampeders. I'm more concerned about these BC Lions coming in here at the end of the season for them. Mm-hmm. The BC Lions are playing pretty well, arguably, with, and they have Travis Lulee back. That's So let's say they go into Calgary, they lose where they typically lose. They've got to be the, a really good Lions team to avoid going, well, if you can figure out the playoffs. <laughs> it's basically Riders win and BC loss and their top loss or ties. The Riders world, but the other world is a mess right now, which is wonderful for TV. But I think you know if they, can, if they lose to Calgary, they got to try to beat a really good BC team mm-hmm. at home, and that's not going to be as easy as might have been way back in the beginning of the season. Be a good spectacle though. Riders in their re- regular season finale can get a home playoff game by winning. It's almost like a second home playoff game. Yeah, if we, they win it, then we just already have a home playoff game like that. Edmonton, Edmonton was like another home playoff game, and they won that without any touchdowns. I just can't believe they, they can win 10 and 6 without scoring. This offense is this bad. It's just, really, I've never seen anything like it. And maybe it's just, I think it colors the perception of the team. The 10 and 6 is laudable. They finished first in 1976 by going 10 and 6. But then they had Ron Lancaster. They had the league's most outstanding player on offense. Now they've got. Well, what gets me is that uh, head coach Chris Jones expects his defense to get those points. He's got a goal for them this year. You get you got a goal, get, get 10. 10. They've got they've got seven so far. What does that tell you? When you're depending on your defense to score points, he knows, he knows they're not going to win. But he do, he doesn't have the offense. He's got to depend on his defense, and he's got to depend on his special teams. So you guys are experts. We are. What do you do to the offense to get it going? Then in the last two games, you have you have. Let's say they have three games where they have to win at least two. I mean, then one's a playoff game to get to the Great Cup, wherever they are. What do you do? What do you guys do? You be the coaches. Throw yourselves out I'd there. I'd go max protect, go with six or seven on the offensive line, have double tight ends, and use it to either ram the ball down the opponent's throat because Trey Mason is having a pretty good year. Failing that, you've got some protection for Zach Caleros, and maybe he's got some time to hit some some receivers downfield. And I would try and create some matchups with Marcus Thigpen. Do they ever do that? This is a player who is such is, is the fastest, most dangerous player on the team, why not flank him out of the backfield, put him on a line, see if you can get him matched up on a linebacker or a safety or a defensive back, and just let him go. I can't believe the misuse of, of a weapon like Marcus Thigpen. I look back, I mentioned Ronnie a few minutes ago, and Ronnie had a running back like Bobby Thompson or Silas McKinney, um, Peter Watson, even Molly McGee. Take him out of the backfield, put him on a defensive back, put him on a linebacker and let him go. There were years as a running back when Bobby Thompson was the Riders' most dangerous receiver. So what's with the misuse of, of Marcus Thigpen on offense? That's one, that's a lot of bullets that they're leaving in the holster. And that, that to me is the, is the one card that they can play on offense that they haven't even, they barely attempted to so far. And should they put Willie Jefferson on uh, offense too? He's got better more TDs than the receivers <laughs> on that team. That's got better hands. he used hands. to be a receiver, right? He's got better hands. And we, they have sometimes they haven't tried that before. I'm being facetious there, but still Willie Jefferson's, been an offensive force on defense. Toby Antigua could have probably helped them on offense too. Like it's it's reached that point. Yeah. I mean, the Thigpen thing really puzzles me. Unless it's a, unless they're just saving it, saving it, saving it 
so that they can ambush somebody with it in the playoffs. Well, that's what uh, you're, like you're not going to show all your. You're not going to show everything, uh, but it's it's a, it's getting down to crunch time here. You know, you've got to you've got to get going uh, on offense. You've got to show something. I don't think that they can win in the playoffs if you don't start scoring some points offensively. You can't unless they just refuse to give up points offensively, which I think is. But they, part even of the they show that against factor. a really good team. It's you can't expect that. Like I don't think. The, did we ever think the Bombers were an offensive juggernaut by any stretch? Oh, absolutely. I, I have no problems with talking to the Bombers. But the, look, the Bombers are leading the league in points scored. Yeah, I know. So, so they, a good offense can still beat a pretty good defense at times. The guys like Nichols and that that catch by Weston Dressler was just amazing. What mm-hmm. a what a play call with second and inches. The whole world is probably all looking for their popcorn and beer. And Stevler comes up and throws that great pass, and Dressler makes a great catch. What a, a great use of a short yardage quarterback, which was, the Riders did that once with Nick Marshall. I think I called back, didn't it? That they, 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 they did that once, too, on second and short and, throw, and going deep. Uh, and I think it was to Kyron Moore downfield, yeah. was they, it not? They did one to Jordan Williams-Lambert against oh, Winnipeg on yeah, Labor Day. Yeah, that's, a, that's that what it was. So they have been known to, to pull had, something out like that, that every now Moore, and then. They did that with Moore, too, for a 40, I think it was a 40-yard catch. Yeah, so they tried a few things, but... Yeah. Uh, not as effectively. So, does, how's this question? How long do you stay with Zach Claris? Oh, he's your guy. <laughs> he's your guy? No, he's got to be. Yeah, he's the first of all. He's the one you're paying. Yeah. <laughs> and secondly, you know, Brandon Bridge came off the bench and showed no better. It, exactly. I don't. Know, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know what they've what what. So, what the difference was between last year and this year? I never did think that he was a starting quarterback, and I know that they don't think he is either. But I always thought, you know, especially in relief of Kevin Glenn, he showed he was a he was a a, a nice. They let him do some dimension, things. change of pace, nice change of pace. Yeah, and uh, he hasn't been able to do that this year when he has come in. When he was starting, he, he was pretty much like I. But expected. how about even like when Zach came in in the second half to start the second half? How uninspiring was that little two and out? Just okay, he's done. They wanted to see if he could get something going. It didn't seem to have any urgency. Seemed to have that. You know that push you got. Okay, we're down thirty-one, nothing. We're down. You only score one one touchdown at a time. Let's just get things going, and then goes two and out. But again, people are painting Zach Caleros with that. Okay, the first down on that drive was a bad pass. Second down, drive in, is a strong drive. Word. Possession, trun- truncated <laughs> possession. In comes Adam Big Hill around the flank play. as he was. Yeah. Trey Mason might as well have just hold out, held out yeah. the cap and the cape and said ole. I mean, he just completely whiffed on Adam Big Hill. So, again, you're putting that on Zach Caleros. Look at the first interception. Kyran Moore makes the break on the post and then kind of slows down and then speeds up again. Taylor Loeffler comes in, pick. Take a look at the second interception that was thrown by Zach Caleros. He's looking to his left. Caleb Hawley is not exactly running the pattern with any urgency. And and Zach Caleros is looking at him. When he finally throws the ball, uh, Caleb Hawley stops. In comes Taylor Loeffler interception. Yeah. I mean, the receivers are not helping them. The, the pass patterns are tentative. It, it, it's just there's no real timing. There's no real communication. It just it, it's that's really where, a, that's where the swing passes to say think pen out of the backfield, and that's what I was going to say. Just something, some screens. Yeah, some just a little hitch something. Screens, those short screens. Hitch, not hitch not the hitch screen. Whatever happened not to the, the hitch screen? Not the hitch <laughs> screen. Just a little the the. The middle screen, the stuff out of the backfield, you know, something to kind of take a little pressure off that offensive line. Which is good. what they did well against Montreal. They were using Kyran Moore as the hot receiver. Yeah. And every time 
he knocked Mwambu was blitzing, they'd flip it out to Kyran Moore. Yeah. But then they play Winnipeg. Adam Big Hill is doing a lot of the type of same type of things that he knocked Mwambu was doing. They have no answer for it. And Kyran Moore had one of the worst games you can have. I know. I just... Drop pass, fumble, bad pass pattern leading to an interception. It wasn't very... Did What's your Kyran Moore return? bingo card for miscues? Did he have a punt return? I don't think he'd had one because they ended up playing... I think Thigman got hurt because I think they went they went with Purefoy at the end too. So it could be another injury they're cooking there. Mm-hmm. But they're 10-6, and six, so let's cue the applause track. Well, it's... well, we'll see. You know, I mean... Uh, they're not showing much right now. I mean, the scheme is just so vanilla and it is so predictable. And and defenses know what's coming, in, in my view. Are they saving something? Perhaps. Maybe they are. I, I go back to 97 when Reggie Slack was in that quarterback controversy. And then they throw him in there in the playoffs and they pull out the option. You know, and caught Edmonton totally off guard. And Calgary. And, and Calgary, for that matter. So, but you can't run it. You could run an option with with. With Reggie Slack, you you can't do that with Zach Galero. I haven't seen anything that shows any indication they're going to be dragging something out of their bag of tricks down the stretch here. I think is what we see is what we got. Because be interesting to go back and look at our earlier podcast. I think we were talking about the same things. Vanilla, these same words all describe the offense. No passing sense hasn't changed, but they're still ten and six, which we still people remind me when we start getting on the Riders' offense. They're ten and six. Yeah. The thing is, when you talk about the offense, but vanilla, vanilla is actually tasty. <laughs> like this is this is wow. this is acid and and uh, and all sorts of vile. It'd be things. like you're cooking. What are you cooking? <laughs> the question just... that we've asked is: Are the rider uh, lately after that game now was is if the riders are overrated? I mean, at ten and six, are they an overrated team? I would say if they're healthy, they're not. But right now it looks like they are because uh, I don't, you know, especially with all these injuries. And like I said, if their receivers, uh, Roosevelt, Lambert can't come back, then then uh, maybe they are. Well, they signed Dakota Shepley today, added him to the practice roster. People remember him was the mm-hmm. uh, sixth, fifth overall pick. Help me, Rob. Yeah. Remember which pick was he? Was he? Uh, first round, but look, it's first, first round pick. pick. But for first round pick, that, that's a depth. That's got to be a depth situation, though. If he's got to come in. Do something right away. Well, well got, he might yeah. be better. He, he, what does that tell you about Josiah St. John? He didn't You're play that badly. Overall, he didn't play that badly. No. no, I know. But the thing is that Phil, he was still Philip Blake was starting ahead of him, and Philip Blake was here at day. Listen, I don't. I'm I'm not as as upset about that. I think Philip Blake is an experienced offensive lineman who knows what he's doing. Former Denver Bronco. Former is an okay poor guy. Former Montreal. Which would be worse back then? But. He's an experienced offensive lineman, and as I said earlier, arguably the best offensive lineman on the worst offensive lineman in the league. They gave up their best player. He knows what he's doing. He's got Labatt on his side to help him out. I don't think that, is that an indication of what they think of Josiah. Yes, but I also think it's a chance he started an experienced guy at that. And then Josiah came in, and as I said, I think he played pretty well in the second half, if you can say that of anybody. Not that it mattered. No, by then, no. but... That's singing in the shower time. But, you know, as you said, I think uh, Bladdock is going to be a big loss. I, a lot of people were down on him. It was... He's such... And can we just... He's such a nice young man. Just a happy... So pleased to be here, to have this opportunity. And I was watching him on the field, and you watch the way the guys gathered around him, and... We're trying to you know, get him not up. just the riders. You can tell bit, the bombers yeah. are wait, oh, waiting yeah. for the... He's going to be... Uh, and it's serious. I don't think there's... Oh, any, yeah, no. There's no doubt. That's when you, when your coach is saying you're out a long time, that's, that's then, the season. At the and same so token, Brooks. Mikhail Brooks, when, he, when they stopped, when that first game against the Blue Bombers and Harris ran wild, they didn't have Brooks. And then he was in the second game and he made a big difference in the middle there, I yeah. think. And yeah. to go down in the final minute of a meaningless game, oh, like, yeah. 
So when the meaning games... Or meaningless juncture of the, the game, yeah. pardon me. So how important are these next two games? I guess I should let you ask the questions, but how important are these next two games, Woody? What do they do for the, the riders? Second one's the Where biggest. do we go from here? Where do you go from here? You just got to try and find some kind of way to win one of these games I don't, you know, and get a little bit of momentum going into the playoffs. You know, I mean, if you're going to get blown out again by, by Calgary and then blown out again by BC, uh, that's that's not going to bode well at all. So, so they've got to they've got to at least show some life, and they've got to they've got to at least uh, come out to play and be competitive in these next two games. And you got to win one of them, I think, to, but to get that home playoff game right. But you've you've got to at the very least. Just uh, show that you can you can play and be competitive. Sometimes if they go, they drop down. They go to the east for the crossover. Not all bad. Not all bad. Way no. better than finishing third in the West. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it? Hamilton's playing really good football right now, and Ottawa's beaten them twice. Yeah. I'll take my chances against the East any day. I think you just want the road trip to the East. Wouldn't complain, but <laughs> uh, that's they. People say the teams have never gotten to the great. Our team has never gotten to the great cup through the. Sh- to the crossover, but the Riders were one play away from doing that last year. Yeah. So can happen. I've probably we've probably exceeded our time here. Any, is anybody left with us? Uh, Murray, uh, Murray. Why am I put oh. Warren? Yeah. Any final thoughts before we we? Well, I just, I, just, I just feel honored that I was finally able to to crack a spot on this uh, wonderful podcast yeah, here. We, we forgot um, about we forgot to ask Gormley. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he's available. <laughs> and after going available. through this, I can't believe you waited this long. You were awesome. Which you're, I'm a as a Sudbury, and I'm see, proud to be with you. Yeah, and you know it's nice to see the Sudbury Mafia just uh, sticking yeah. together here. Uh, listen, I, I think uh, I think there is a you know cause for concern. Will they come out and 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 be this uh, bit bad for the rest of the way? I don't think they will. In that in that way, it was probably a one off. But uh, I, I am concerned about the injuries, and if they, you know, uh, can't recover from those, then uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a long haul. Mur, uh, I agree with Woody. If they say all that stuff, and I think I don't feel very optimistic going into Calgary to winning. I don't think Calgary's going to lose two games in a row, and I think the Riders are going to be in tough. And it's going to come down to that a cold. Is it a night game on the uh, last night of the year? Five o'clock five start. O'clock. Oh, five o'clock. The, uh, the, uh, oh, the last DC game. game? Yeah. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't that a five o'clocker? Something like that. So another cold, bitter night with to have to beat a good BC Lions team. So maybe I'm looking beyond the Stampeders, but. They'll beat BC. They'll get second. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a really especially tall order. If, they, if they're worth even monitoring in the playoffs, they'll beat, a, they'll beat BC at home to get a home playoff. Well, my game. pick was 11 and 7. So I think I had 13 and. Five. So what the heck do I know? Do you want me to read the note? I want Woodsy to read it because he's this skilled broadcaster. Yes. Uh, Warren Woods with our little uh, note here. Yes. you got to cup your ear and do the Gary Owens routine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you please rate us on iTunes and leave a review? It helps us grow the podcast. Yay. Oh, speaking podcast or podcast? Pod. Oh. Pod. P-O-D. <laughs> rate us on iTunes. Leave a review. It helps us grow this podcast, which has been a lot of fun, boys. For Gary Owens, Marie McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. Thanks for being with us today. Take care.